Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is called The Wrong Door. I'm so disappointed. So is Oliver. We'll get to why it's not a good title. Oliver doesn't tend to go on and on. And I'm going to say he went on and on a bit about the title. This title was, I've made a huge mistake, but it's okay. We still love you, Dateline. We just sometimes don't love your titles. We do. And we know you're out of titles. We get it. We know. Yeah. You're done. You've had a million episodes. You are all out of all the words, all the combinations of words. You're going to have to switch to another language. Hebrew. I also feel like we're pointing to it. Maybe we should. It's no big deal. Keep going. No big deal. Joe's just pretend we never said anything. This episode aired on October 22nd, 2021. And it was season 30, episode five. And it's hosted by Queen Andrea Canning, who we love. Disclaimer, we love. However, this is our second Andrea in season three. And we've had three Keiths. Where is Dennis Murphy? Where is Josh Mankiewicz. I'm ready to assemble a search party. Thank you. I wasn't going to say I was worried, but I'm worried. I'm worried. Between you and me, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I mean, Josh has been on Twitter unless someone else is holding him somewhere and retweeting articles from the LA Times for him. I don't know. And our things. He's retweeted several of our things. So the person holding him has great taste in tweets. But also, we're still worried. We have not heard from Dennis at all. Because he's not on Twitter. I would like to perform a wellness check. Yeah, that's all we're asking for. Sorry, I don't want one performed. I would like to perform it myself. I would like to go to the house with some oatmeal cookies and be like, hey, you feeling all right? (laughs) He would love that. Is that annoying? That feels annoying. You know he and his wife would let you in and they'd sit you down at the kitchen table. With a basket of oatmeal cookies, they would. Where the cross stitch is that I made for him. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, look at it. Sit at the, there's the cross stitch. They're very sweet, I think. Yeah. Okay. This episode is about a woman named Egypt Covington. Wow. And she was a singer. She was talented. She also has a built-in stage name. I might just shorten it to Egypt, though. What do you think? Like Cher or Madonna? Yeah, I'm sure she did, right? I mean, you don't need your last name with a first name like that. No. She lived in Belleville. Michigan. Everyone there knew Egypt. Her boyfriend was Curtis Meadows. I wasted a good 10 minutes trying to figure out if he had braces. And I still don't know the answer. No. Okay. I just really, I could see braces, but I know they weren't there. I just know I was seeing something. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Were you watching on a small screen? No big screen. My TV. I don't know. I was going. Do you need to go to the doctor? I might need to see a doctor. Okay. So... One day in 2017, he was having trouble reaching Egypt, so he drives over to her apartment, which is a duplex. The door is ajar. Her dog was there, Ruby. Now, they don't show the dog nearly enough in this episode to my liking. That's my beef besides the title, is this is a two-hour episode. I demand more dog. You had extra time. I have some other beef. (laughs) There's something really awful. About the episode? Mm-hmm. Not with Dateline's portrayal of the episode, just the content. That's fine. No, that's, we always have beef with the content. Well, there's a murder. We should have a beef with a murder. We're not trying to be down on Dateline. We love Dateline. They know how much we love them. I just would request in a two-hour episode, 
more dog shots. That's all I want. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'll get it someday. We did have Dog the Bounty Hunter recently. I guess that is supposed to count, but it doesn't. I feel like it's supposed to really count. It really doesn't, though. It almost detracts from the actual dogs. Yeah. He's kind of shaggy. I don't know. All right. So Curtis finds Egypt. She is dead. She is tied up. Her hands are behind her back. Blood is everywhere. He calls 911. He's crying on the tape. It's very tragic and terrible. She was shot in the head and her hands are tied up with Christmas lights. So clearly the killer is someone from the Mother God cult, right? That was my first thought. What are the odds that we'd have two episodes in a row featuring Christmas lights? But in all seriousness, she must have been just terrified. And it's so terrible. Egypt had a large blended family. We meet her dad. We meet her half brother. We meet her mom and her stepmom. Her mom has crazy wild red hair. Love the mom. Love the mom. She says, I felt like I didn't protect her, that mommy wasn't there for her. And that kind of broke my heart. Coco McAvoy, McAvow. I have McAvoy. You do. So maybe it is McAvoy. McAvow? I can't read my writing either. Uh, she's, she's, Coco is cool. Why everyone has cool names that are just a one name. You only should go by Coco on the air. Yeah. Hi, this is Coco. I guess it sounds more professional for the news if you have two names. We only have one name on the podcast, but our names aren't cool. So bad. They're still so bad. They haven't gotten any better. The older we're getting, the worse they are. Now I feel bad. Thank you. I'm sorry. I have these iron-on letter sheets, and it's the cruelest insult because they give you, on a sheet of iron-on letters, one R, one S, one T. But I have four Ks on the sheet, and I was like, who's using iron-on letters unless you have children named Kelly, Katie, and Kimberly? And then I became really depressed. Probably a lot of families. Yeah, it's a lot of families. Like that. And we're a part of that. We are. You and I. Yeah. yeah. That's why I got sad when I saw Coco. And I was like, could have been so cool. Like Coco. It also could apply to women named Karen. Exactly my point. And they've been, they've been through enough the past couple of years. So they deserve iron on letters. We're next. Just wait till there's a Katie or a Kimberly. I'm just waiting for it. I'm just gripping the sides of my chair being like the Katie meme is going to be bad. That's when I legally become Kimber. So Coco tells us all more about Egypt. She worked as a bartender with her half-brother, Dwayne, at a bar. And he's telling Andrea all of the delightful, funny things that they did with like hijinks at the bar. Andrea is so tickled by this. I feel like she's thinking, I'm away from my 26 children. Mama wants to talk about booze. She wanted to know everything. Right now, what did you do? What was it like? Set the scene. Yeah. Popular drinks. How did you serve them? And she wanted to maybe have him mix her a drink. Can I get behind the bar? Is that fine with you? It was turning into a different kind of dateline and I loved it. She was so happy. Egypt also loved to sing. She won a big singing competition and she was recording a local, she was recording with a local music producer who goes by Mr. Peace. That seems right. Which reminds me slightly of... DJ Freeze. But this guy, Mr. Peace, he has a cross around his neck. 
so he's like a Christian rapper guy. Seems very nice. He seemed fine. I mean, he's a music producer in Michigan. I have more thoughts on him that we will get to very shortly. Okay. He said that Egypt was the life of the party. So mark that off your bingo cards. We got a life of the party. Police look into Egypt's boyfriend, Curtis. They had broken up and gotten back together a lot. And we cut to Egypt's dad, Chuck, who kind of sporadically starts yelling in the middle of his sentences a lot. He's very passionate. Which, it kills me. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. He's like different. We will remember him. He will not fade into the history of other Dateline guests. He will be remembered. Do we have great dad on the bingo cards? Because sometimes we just get a great dad. No, but we should. It's often enough, I feel like. Yeah. He goes, Curtis broke her heart. Like, almost like Oprah, like giving away a car. He is a little, he's a little Oprah-y, yeah. <laughs> or like like the soup Nazi. Like he just starts yelling, like for, but for just in the middle of a sentence. I loved it. It's so bad. It's like, I'm not saying anything, but he broke her heart. Yeah, it's just so good. And it yeah. echoes, it echoes at the end. I jumped. I love the enthusiasm. He's sitting next to his wife, who is Egypt's stepmom, Chris, and she doesn't even flinch. You know he talks like that all the time. Does not even bat an eye that he's screaming. Curtis, Egypt's boyfriend, passes a polygraph and it's ruled out. Now, Egypt loved living in the duplex, but she had recently decided that she wanted to move because it was getting scary. There were shady people coming and going at all hours. Apparently, next door, they are selling legal medical marijuana, and it was attracting some shady people. Detectives questioned the neighbors. It's not what the mom says. What? Stepmom is like, Andrea's like, shady people, and the mom nods, and she goes, drugs. Yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, this is a Katie episode. I'm ready. <laughs> I thought it was going to be meth. I thought they had like a meth lab. I was ready. Yeah. It's full on meth. It's like, no, it's legal. Yeah, I was ready for opiate deals. Legal medical marijuana, but no, no meth. Well, they had a license to grow and sell, is what they said, yeah. So detectives questioned the neighbors, and they have an alibi. They were at a music festival that night because weed. So a lot of dudes were into Egypt. A former boss was way obsessed with her, and he's also married. He offered to take her to Nashville to try out for The Voice. In Nashville, they got into a fight because she basically didn't want to, Andrea doesn't say it. Andrea's like, she didn't want to pursue a relationship with him. She didn't want to sleep with him on the trip in Nashville, and they got into a fight. And apparently he had a temper. He tells Dateline that he wasn't romantically interested in Egypt and his wife knew about the trip to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Sure, sure, Jan. I'd, if that's true, I'd like to talk to the wife. No. Oh, this. I'm so sorry. This just smells like a midlife crisis. I just hate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can just picture this sort of middle-aged man thinking that this young singer is, you know. So sleazy. Yeah. Then there is Kenny. Kenny really also wants to turn his big red chair around for Egypt. Get it? Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. Am I talking about the right show? I don't know about that. <laughs> You're welcome. 
That's the best one I got tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> feel free to turn off now. It is definitely a red chair. I don't watch all those shows and they, I don't know the difference between. So you think you have a voice and talent and you're America's Next Top Idol. I don't, that, they all kind of blend into me. So anyways. But you know everything about Below Deck, which is hysterical because so many people watch those shows and not Below Deck, which you reference often. I know. But a lot of people also I watch have seen every blind audition ever on The Voice because I'm always I love the ones when they do well. I don't want to see if nobody turns, but I want to see the ones where people get excited and turn around. Those are my favorite. Well, they should put together a package of good auditions. So just to make people happy. They do. Have you been to YouTube? Go to YouTube and type in best chair turns ever. You're going <laughs> to it's going to take up an entire day, though. So get ready. It's, it's a black hole. No, I, there's a below deck uh, marathon on all week. So I'll, my time is pretty well spent. Rewatching? No, you can watch new content. I'm asking you. No, I'm going to watch the old ones. So they're on a boat. Egypt dated Kenny during one of her breakups with Curtis. And Kenny was super jealous that now they were back together and Curtis was actually moving in with Egypt. And then they keep saying how hot Kenny is. And he's fine. Look, he's he's a very average looking person. But they keep saying how hot he is and how he attracts all the ladies. I think we're not seeing correct pictures of Kenny. I think Kenny is built and I think Kenny might be 6'2". Okay. That was my thought on this because we do keep getting that, but we're only seeing like shoulders and up shots of him pretty much. And so I was like, oh, okay. So there's stuff that we're like, he's this kind of handsome. That's why everyone kept saying that. If you say so. I was more baffled. No, I think he's fine. We're not seeing something, Kimberly, for sure. He's fine. He's absolutely fine. But they're talking about him like he's an Adonis. And I was very confused. They do, which means that his body is like an Adonis, is what I'm saying. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Kenny and Egypt break up and they remain friends for a while. But now that Egypt was back with Curtis, she wanted to stop being friends. And she was finally going to tell Kenny that he couldn't hang out with her anymore at the Strawberry Festival. Yum. But they're not friends. That's not what that means. I mean, you knew it at that point, right? They couldn't ever hang out in a romantic way. They couldn't be boom, boom partners. They were friends with benefits, clearly. They're not telling us that, but it's very easy to read between the lines at this point that they're, if you're having to have a talk with like that with someone, you're not just friends. Well, also, he kept showing up whenever she was around, like she would be at places with her friends and he would just show up, which is a red flag. Because he's getting the boom boom sometimes. So he's going to show up in case that maybe she wants to do the boom boom that time. That's how that works. Right. But she's back with Curtis now. She can't do the boom boom anymore. No. So it's Strawberry Festival it up. At the Strawberry Festival, she's going to talk to him. What a better setting for that. Also, remember in the episode Collision where they met at a chicken on a stick stand at a spinach festival? Food festivals never come off well on Dateline. Kenny and Egypt have a fight at the festival, but unfortunately, there are no strawberry funnel cakes thrown in a comedic fashion. Now, this is only five days before she's murdered, so it's not looking great for Kenny. The small town rumor mill starts, mark it off your bingo card, and 
everyone is talking about how it's Kenny. Kenny must have been the one who did it. He tells police he was bar hopping that night and then he went home alone on the night of the murder. And then he takes a polygraph, which he fails. Oh boy. He lawyers up and stops talking to the police. None of these are good looks, Kenny. And we hear some more not great things about him. Apparently one time Curtis and Egypt were sleeping and Curtis looked out the window and saw Kenny outside looking into Egypt's car in the middle of the night. That's a crimson red flag the size of Earth. A friend of Egypt's, Nori, because everyone has these fascinating names, one name. You don't need a last name with the name Nori. Also, nope. I do love Nori. Salty, it's delicious. Oh, there you go. She says that he had a temper and was manipulative. One time, Egypt and Kenny were having a shouting match at a hotel that they were at and the staff called the police. And then Nori saw him punch a hole in a wall. So these are not good things. Egypt's dad starts to think it was Kenny. And so does most of the town. They have a memorial and DJ Freeze, I mean, Mr. Peace, performs. So he had recorded several music videos starring Egypt and she's singing very beautifully in them. One of them, she's singing a cover of that song that I won't sing. Where'd you go? I missed you so. Feels like it's been forever. That song. And in the music video is black and white and DJ Peace is dancing around in the background like a hype man at a rap concert. He's like gesturing with his hands wildly and he is lip syncing the lyrics to the words as she's singing. Is he signing, Kimberly? No. Okay. Positive? I'm going to make sure first before we drop this episode. We're going to make, let's put a star by that, Adam. (laughs) But I don't think so. But maybe. I don't think so either, but it did just cross my mind. We're going to make sure. But here's the thing. He has these beautiful videos of her singing. Mm -hmm. At the memorial, instead of playing these videos of her singing, he sings that song, Where'd You Go? So he's doing a cover of her cover of a popular song instead of just playing one of these videos Could they not get a TV? I was going to say, did they have video capability at the memorial? Or was that the original plan and something and the AV guy? The AV guy bailed to go smoke some weed. Yeah, something happened. Yeah, Justin was hanging out at the duplex. He got sick at the strawberry festival from some bad pie. Could be. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that that was a backup plan or that it was just too sad much like how I feel about slideshows at funerals or memorials, it's almost too hard. Right. It's brutal. So it could have been a choice by the family. That's true. I don't know if it was their choice to have him wear the t-shirt with the printed words on it. They did not say going balls deep, balls to the wall, like we've seen on previous episodes. But it is the same shirt that he's wearing in his interview with Andrea, just in a different color. So he has lots of them. What's the shirt say again? It says, keep your head up, but the words are upside down. So the up is at the top of the shirt. So when you look down, I think 
maybe when you look down, you can read it. I don't understand. But anyways, it's a thing. It is. It's so when you look down, you can read it. So for people who are feeling sad, so maybe he has some sadness in his life. You're not inspiring anyone else then. Are you sure it's not the same shirt? Different, totally different color. But it's not just that like a weird lighting? Mm, No, I think it was a different shirt. Okay. Weird that he would have multiples of that shirt. Well, I think it's from a thing he does because there's writing on the back too. So maybe it's like a camp he runs or something. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Music producing for teens. Yeah. For something like that. One week seminar in the summers. (laughs) Keep your head up. But do you have any ideas where he could maybe get some more appropriate wardrobe choices for a Dateline interview with the most stylish woman on TV, Andrea Canning? Yes, I do. It's actually one of my favorite places on the planet to shop, and it's called Poshmark. Oh, I should have known. And if you guys don't know about Poshmark, boy, are you in for a treat. Poshmark is literally shopping at a department store, a designer store, at a friend's amazing closet, or at the best resale shop on the planet. It's all in one. I think it's safe to say I shop on their app more than any other brick and mortar. I am a Poshmarkess for life, period. End of story. For those of you that are new to Poshmark, Poshmark is an app where you can buy new and gently used items, sell items from your own wardrobe, all from the comfort of your bedroom. They have incredible brands like Topshop, Free People, Zara. They also have plenty of boutique designers or even workout or yoga wear like Lululemon, if that's something you do in your life. What? Yeah, we're coot. Don't worry about it. It's boot season, so they've got fry boots, hunter boots, or adorable ankle boots from stores like Anthropology. Whatever boots you want, they've got them all. All the way up to high-end luxury goods from brands like Louis Vuitton and Vivian Westwood. It's incredible. It's a one-stop shop for your wardrobe needs. And the best part is 70% off retail. I've even found items that are 90% off. So for those that love to snag a bargain, go try out Poshmark. The app is so easy to use. I will be continuing to list items in my own closet on Poshmark called Pretty Ugly LA. And so if you go and use the app for the first time using my referral code Pretty Ugly LA, you'll get $10 off your first purchase from any closet you like. And it's so incredibly easy to shop on Poshmark. It's almost too easy for me. And it's also so easy to list. All you do is snap a few photos of the items you're selling, add the details, and boom. When something sells, the shipping is an absolute dream. It's so easy. Poshmark sends you an email with the shipping label. You tape it to the box, drop it at the post office, or schedule a pickup from the post office. It couldn't be easier to go from my closet to yours or from your closet into someone else's. If you are a newcomer and haven't experienced the sheer shopping selling extravaganza that is Poshmark, then go sign up and use referral code PRETTYUGLYLA to get $10 off your first purchase. Also, don't forget, you're doing a great thing for the environment by shopping in a place like Poshmark. Buying and selling on the Poshmark app truly helps reduce, reuse, and recycle in a world of clothing waste and fast fashion. So do yourself and do the planet a favor. Come shop with me in the world of never-ending racks of clothes online. Listeners of A Date with Dateline get $10 off your first purchase when you enter the invite code PRETTYUGLYLA when you sign up at Poshmark. That's invite code Pretty ugly L.A. Check them out, guys. Poshmark is my life. <laughs> Period. Period. I thought there was more to that sentence, but there really wasn't. Yeah, there just wasn't. No, that's it. I love Poshmark and I have that's it's incredible. I love it so much. I love it. So 
Egypt's mom, Tina, is really one of the only people in town that doesn't think that Kenny's the one who did this. She invites him to sit next to her at the memorial, which caused quite a stir. Also, speaking of the memorial, I just checked and he is definitely not signing. He's doing like he's orchestrating something. It's very odd. But anyways, no, not but with like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, he's just feeling it. That's called that's called feeling it. Oh, yeah. He's feeling it. It reminds me of on King of the Hill when Bobby was the hype man for a Christian rapper guy and Bobby just would be like, oh, yeah, praise him. Preach. Yes. Oh, I I can't. I can't. I can barely watch that episode for real. The pain is too much. (laughs) So that's what Mr. Peace is doing. But Kenny's mom, back to Kenny's mom. She does not think it's Kenny. She invites him to sit next to her at the memorial, which causes quite a stir because everyone there pretty much thinks that Kenny did it. She even flat out asks Kenny and he cries and she believes him. I trust Tina and her wild hair. I kind of feel like she has good instincts. And the only other Kenny I know is Kenny and Armando from 90 Day Fiance and Kenny, that Kenny would not kill anyone. He might accidentally drown them with his tears, but he's a good guy. I used to work with a Kenny. And good. And Kenny, if you're listening. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Miss you. Love you. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay, great. Thumbs way up for Kenny. Do you think that Tina is a little bit of a pot stirrer? I can't say the other word. She's kind of sassy. For She's for sure sassy, but I think she's a bit loud spoken in a good way. And she sticks by what she thinks. So I don't think she cares if the whole town is against her. Because her and her ex-husband are still on pretty good terms, we find out. At this point, they are, but they won't be for long. I think she genuinely believed that Kenny was innocent. I do too, yes. Which also, it's hard to fight that. I see why you believe Tina. I did too. I was like, I'm going with Tina. It's not like I don't believe the dad, but first the dad thought Curtis did it, the boyfriend. Curtis definitely was ruled out by the police. So now he thinks Kenny did it. But there are a ton of red flags with Kenny. No doubt there's a ton of red flags with Kenny. So I get why people would think he did it too. Yeah. Who knows what is going through your head at this moment when it's your daughter too. She thinks Kenny is a gentle giant and he only fought with Egypt when he was drunk. The problem with that is he was bar hopping the night of the murder, so he would have been drunk. So that doesn't totally hold up. Right. Giant. Giant. Gentle giant. Mark it off your bingo cards. No, but giant. I was right. He's like 6'3". Oh, he is a 6'3". He's a giant person. Okay, there we go. Nailed it. So... A lot of friends say that Egypt would push his buttons too, and they both kind of got in each other's faces. Her friends call her Big Energy, which is not to be confused with Big Daddy Energy, a phrase that Katie hates more than anything. Absolutely not. Because the mom is pro-Kenny and the dad is anti-Kenny, there's a rift that starts in the family and basically in the whole community. Like, which side are you on? Are you on Egypt's dad's side or Egypt's mom's side? And that's a shame that's not how it should be. There's already been enough heartbreak. It also means Kenny doesn't know where to go. Like, he could go into the Home Depot and everyone hates him, or he could go into the Home Depot and everyone's patting him on the shoulder and saying, keep your head up on a shirt. Right. 
on a shirt that's spread upside down. Yeah, just look down, read that shirt, buddy. So maybe Mr. Peace gave him a shirt. That's who it's for. There you go. It's for suspected murderers so they can look down and go, it's not so bad. Keep your head up. Yep. Brother Dwayne, who we like. Okay, you do know that his name is Dwayne, right? It's, well, Andrea says D-Wayne, but everyone else says- You put the subtitles on, right? Yeah, it's D-E-Wayne, D-Wayne. No, it's D-apostrophe Wayne. D, sorry, apostrophe Wayne. Andrea says D-Wayne, and it threw me off a bit. Everyone else says D-Wayne. D-Wayne, yeah. So- he starts dating a woman named Lindsay and he eventually tells her the story about what happened to his sister. And Lindsay immediately is scared that Dwayne might be in danger of some sort. But then she quickly moves on to maybe he killed his sister, Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay has big energy also. So she asks him for an alibi. <laughs> they just started dating. I'm so sorry your sister died. Where were you that night? It's pretty funny, but they keep dating and she gets so invested in the case that she becomes basically an amateur Jessica Fletcher detective and wants to solve the case, which is totally what we would do. 100%. If I started dating a guy and there was a murder, even in his extended family, I would be like, if you got a murder, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook. Well, Mr. Peace revolves it. Ice, ice, baby. Okay. So how did people on, did you see Twitter at all for this episode? No, no time. Oh. Don't know how people felt. I was actually specifically, and you know what? I can be a big girl and check myself and figure out and stare at Oliver's phone. And yeah. Figure out mm-hmm. what people think. What are you trying to figure out what they thought about? Lindsay? Yeah. Because she becomes a big part of this episode now. So I was trying to see what the consensus was on Lindsay because of her big energy. She can be a polarizing personality. So I wanted to know. And I would bet that it was polarizing on Twitter. I would guess it's 50-50. But generally, I think it would be 50-50 because people like Lindsay, who are big energy, or if you're Kimberly, myself, you are told that you're a little much. I understand that. And you can be a polarizing figure. You're not for everybody. And that's okay, Lindsay. But I do think that our listeners and Dateline listeners love home detectives. People who are like going to solve the case. Yeah. Because they know it's what they would do. We'll find out. I'm just kidding. We're going to find out when we release this episode. And we are pro Lindsay. You are pro Lindsay. Katie is declining to stay. Her opinion right now. And I'll tell you Oliver's at the end. Okay. Oh, God. I don't want to know what Oliver thinks. Yeah, you do. Although Oliver likes me. A lot. And if I am at all like Lindsay, hmm. Now I'm just questioning everything. Lindsay had a few personality quirks that I know you think you're big energy. Lindsay was difficult at some points, which is helpful in some respects, but not the most likable. Does that help? For sure. But, you know. And that's not always what you have to be. You don't always have to be the most likable. But there were things that she did in this episode that made me sweat. Yeah. That I was like, oh. I know, because you don't like confrontation. But you just went over the big one, which was grilling the boyfriend who's was grieving his sister's death if he had done it or not. Right. That would be too much. That would send meth for me. That would be too much. That's like a sensitivity issue that I, I don't think you'd ever do that. You would maybe talk to me about it, but you'd never confront him straight away. 
So it made me wonder about her sensitivity issues. That's all. Yeah, I think that's possible. She is a squeaky wheel and squeaky wheels get things done. They sure do. Even though they annoy and piss off a lot of people. Sure thing. I'm not that much of a squeaky wheel, I don't think. I wish I was more and I would get a lot more things done. Like I would make a difference. But I'm ultimately too lazy to be a squeaky wheel. But untrue. we will figure this out, how we feel about our conflicting feelings about Lindsay. So it's been nine months since the murder and the police announced they have a person of interest. It is Kenny, obviously. So Lindsay wants to know if it's Kenny. So she just calls him and asks him, which is very gutsy, lady. I don't know if I would do that. She's never met this person. Did you do it? I've heard bad things about you. I know you're a person of interest. I think she's one of these people that just doesn't have much of a filter. Yeah, I think so. And so can just kind of go into the world bravely because she's not thinking about it. Yeah, that's that must be nice. That must be nice. Yeah, yeah. Not thinking so much. Yeah, I mean, I try really hard not to think care what people think of me, but I, it creeps in. It's hard not to. It's shocking to see it this strong in someone. Yeah. It's just like, no, I just called him. What? What? Yeah. But I really admire that. As someone who has a little bit of phone anxiety and social anxiety, just calling the doctor's office. Like, oh, I got to make a phone call. She just picks up the phone and is like, hey, are you a murderer? Oh, this is Lindsay. We've never met. So did you do it? I wonder what reaction she got. I think he was startled and confused. Yeah. But that might be good. You want to catch him off your off his guard to get it maybe an honest reaction. So she says he absolutely did not do it. And he has proof. He agrees to sit down with the P.I. that mom Tina hired. And he tells the PI that he wasn't upset that Curtis was moving in. He was a little surprised that he hadn't heard about it sooner. He does admit that he punched two holes in the wall. Mm -hmm. And he said he was bar hopping that night. And then he went home and he ate leftover burritos and watched Netflix on his phone. I don't know why, but eating leftover burritos made me very sad. Made me feel very soggy. I don't enjoy a soggy burrito. But the Netflix thing, I was like, oh, good. They can check it. That was my thought. Right. Of course. So he gave he was watching it on his phone. He gave his phone to the police to show that he was on his phone at home watching Netflix and soggy burritoing, which is the new Netflix and chill, I guess. Could we get a T-shirt that says Netflix and burrito? Netflix and burritoing? But what does that mean? Instead of Netflix and chilling. It's the opposite of Netflix and chill. It's Netflix and burrito because you don't want to do it in front of someone. That's why. Yeah. Because eating a burrito is not sexy. No, it's not. No matter what those commercials will make you look like. It's, it's maybe the least that or a taco. Either one where you're like trying to catch something out of the bottom. Yeah. It's not a good look. And the beans. Again, sorry. I'm going to bring up the beans. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Agreed. All right. He also tells them that he had it on star in his truck and that would prove that he didn't go anywhere. That's great. But he said it doesn't matter that he has this proof that he was at home. They think it's him. The police have been on to him for, since the first night. They said he looks guilty. And he also did fail the polygraph, though, which is not great. Not good. But Lindsay and 
Dwayne start to believe that he's innocent. They hold a meeting with Egypt's dad and stepmom, who are anti-Kenny, and they try to convince them that it's not Kenny. And it goes terribly wrong. They start arguing. They tell Lindsay to mind her own business. And Lindsay storms out. The dad and stepmom say they thought she was so rude, especially because she never even met Egypt. You know, so who is she to come into their home and try to tell them what was happening? And the dad says, I had no need to interface with that particular person anymore. And he doesn't yell, which means he's really mad, I think, because he says it very normal voiced. But he's a particular sort of person, and he does not like Lindsay's messy energy. It's not great. It's not great. It's horrible. This made me sweat. Yeah. The amount of tact you would have to have Mm -hmm. to go into this and do this, you need to let Dwayne the son, take the charge, lead the way on that. The problem is Dwayne admits that he is a pretty passive person and he was just in the backseat while Lindsay was doing all this, basically. So Lindsay needed to bring it up in a way that I don't think Lindsay probably is capable of, which is very much like, I just want to let you know what we found out and what we heard. You guys can come to your own conclusions, but this is what we found. You need to approach it in a way. These This family, again, is grieving. Mm-hmm. Please don't come in there. Mm-hmm. And please don't storm out. Yeah. With your drama. Stop, Lindsay. And I get why people might not like her and say, this isn't about you, Lindsay. It's not that I don't like Lindsay. I don't like that she did this. This portion of it, the family dinner, I feel like it's too soon. And I feel like... I don't think you needed to get the dad on your side at this point. I think you could have pressed on without maybe getting Chuck on your side and just keep Tina in the loop. I think you could have just left the dad alone right now. Wouldn't that maybe look worse if you hadn't, you know, conferred with the dad before you're doing all of this active stuff on the case? But don't you think there's a way to let him know instead of being confrontational? Don't you think there? Because if you're being confrontational, if you're having to storm out. Yeah. Or she just really got her feelings hurt and didn't like all the fighting. I'm sure she wasn't being listened to because the dad had his mind made up. And unfortunately, yeah, he's going to. So changing it is really just going to be presenting the information and and hoping they look it over and think about it and not expecting him to do a complete turnaround right then. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Andrea says to Lindsay, don't take this the wrong way. As if we could ever take anything Andrea says the wrong way. I know. She's sweet. She's sweet. She says, but I can see them saying, you know, basically, hey, new girl, stay in your lane. You didn't know Egypt. So, you know, let us handle this. And Lindsay says she just didn't want to cause any more drama at this point and didn't want to tear the family apart. So she was ready to stop. But it was Dwayne that said, no, please don't stop. We have to keep fighting on this. She's kind of made him into kind of less of a passive person and fighting for what he believes in. So I liked that. But I like that her instinct was to also maybe back off. And it was Dwayne that said, no, let's keep going. Yes, absolutely. That was really good that her instinct was not, no, I'm going to I'm going to find the truth. It was, okay. hold on, hold on. I'm causing more damage than good here. I'm trying to do good and I'm causing damage. Yes, absolutely. So good for her. I think she has a good heart. I really do. She just might not go about things the right way. I think she just maybe made a mistake on the family dinner because I think that was going to be a hard sell. 
And I think you needed to be prepared to let it go the minute there was a confrontation because, again, the family isn't grieving. You got to just let it go. So Lindsay and Dwayne, they keep fighting. They start a Facebook page where they're asking for tips. They start a murder board at their house. Couples murder board. Couples murder board with the red string and the pins and the printed out photos, which require lots of ink cartridges. I loved it. So many ink cartridges. Lindsay and Dwayne sit down with the detectives and Lindsay, because she's Jessica Fletcher, secretly records them which is also something I would like to think that I would do. We would do that. We would record. We would record. You would remind me. I would forget. We might mess it up, but we would try. Yeah, you would have it like in your pocket like and spill some Diet Coke on it, and I would just forget to actually hit record. So we would just not do it. How many times have we recorded this podcast where I've forgotten to hit record? Let's be real. Not as many as people might think. (laughs) That's kind. Very kind. It's not that many. It's a handful, but we have been doing this for four years. It's a couple of times, but it's okay. It's okay. So detectives tell them Kenny is really the only person of interest. He failed that polygraph miserably. And then the cops try to banter with each other and they're like, well, he got his name right. (laughs) Yeah, he only got the name and his date right. They won't tell Lindsay and Dwayne if they found anything on Egypt's phone. They won't even say if they've gotten into the phone. They just won't give them details. They won't really tell them anything. And the conversation starts to get pretty heated. And Lindsay asks the investigators, what about the neighbors? Did you investigate these neighbors? And the detective says, well, we pretty much know they were at this music festival with all the weed. And Lindsay says, pretty much? What is pretty much? So did you go through their phones? Do you, you know, did you track, put cell phone pings? Like, how do you know exactly that they were at this music festival? So you didn't fully investigate them, did you? And one of the detectives says, well, bring me something I can use instead of telling me I'm not doing my job properly and I'll be a lot nicer. And then Lindsay doesn't back down. She says, oh, wow, you're getting defensive. Oh, no. Don't. I'm so bad at confrontation. I would have started crying a long time ago. The thought of confrontation makes me want to cry. But also this, again, sweaty. Yeah. Again, you need this relationship. Mm -hmm. Finesse. Finesse a little. I shake your hand. You shake my. How do you think you're going to get information that you need, supposedly, if you're going to say things like, oh, defensive? They'll say that. But by the same token, detectives have to deal with grieving families and they have to deal with ones whose cases have not been solved yet and they're very frustrated. They can't be this rattled and they should not be this rude to the family of someone who was murdered and they haven't solved the case yet. I think that's unprofessional. But her reaction the minute he started getting defensive should have been to pivot, right? Right. pivot. And you move on to something else. The minute you see that they're defensive or think they're attacking you, they're going to shut down and give you absolutely nothing. And you're there for information. So I'm saying use your squeaky wheel to your advantage. You are a squeaky wheel and you're smart. So pivot a little bit instead of calling him on exactly what his emotion is at the time, which is super defensive and soup and uh, yeah. Inappropriate. She didn't say unprofessional, which is good. But yeah, he shouldn't have gotten defensive. You're right. With the brother right there, the brother of the murder victim is bad. The whole exchange is bad. 
It's bad. It's bad from the cop. And her reaction to it is not what it should be. This whole thing made me sweat. Yeah. Sweat city. It was really intense. They suggest to the investigators, why don't you get the state involved? And this this makes the local detectives so much more angry. They're like, it's not like we can't do it. This is what we do. And the state police, they don't have any more expertise than we do. They probably do. That's why they work for the state police department. And you are the Van Buren Police Department, a township with very few people in it that is named after the eighth president who was a one-term president who famously inspired a fictional gang on Seinfeld called the Van Buren Boys. And their gang sign was to hold up eight fingers. That's how you knew they were in there because he was the eighth president. So slow your roll, Van Buren boys. Maybe I think I don't we always commend smaller police departments when they are willing to accept help from a bigger department? Always. To able to say we don't have the resources for this or we're not getting any headway. We would love some help from the FBI. We would love some help from the state. We love that. They are not willing to do that. So Lindsay and Dwayne are mad at the police. They're trying their hardest to get the case moved to the state. They get engaged. So everyone should send them a lot of ink cartridges on their, for their, from their wedding registry. Her little kids are so excited in the little home video that we saw. They love him. It's adorable. Now, the ring that he gave her when he proposed was the one that Egypt wanted for when she was going to get married. And the mom gave it to Dwayne for Lindsay to have. And Lindsay feels like even though I never met Egypt, I now have this piece of her and it's really special and it's such an honor. I do feel like the dad would not be okay with this situation. And this could turn into a Mickey, Joey needed it, uncomfortable interaction about the ring, but it wasn't his to give, obviously. It was the mom's to give. And the mom wanted it to have. I think it's the mom's heirloom. It must be from the mom's mom or something like that. That's very sweet. It's very sweet. Meanwhile, the people at the brewery where Egypt was working name a beer after Egypt. And it's called A Girl Named Egypt, which is her Instagram. And it has her photo on it. And it has her tattoos. And it has a microphone because she loved to sing. And the um, co-worker shows it to Andrea. And he says, it's a very strong beer. Andrea says, because Egypt was such a strong person. And he says, exactly. He's showing this to Andrea at the bar. And I really thought she was going to try it. I think she did try it. I think we just don't see it, but I'm sure she tried it. I think she tried it. She might enjoy a classy company where you can order alcohol delivered for a gift. Any ideas, Katie? I think Reserve Bar is the online source for premium and luxury spirits, wine and champagne. I think Andrea would have a field day. Actually, any of our listeners, including myself, would have a field day at ReserveBar.com. You can visit ReserveBar.com to create the perfect home bar or to have the ideal gift delivered. It's where you can find the best in new and hard to find bottles. And you can also find celebrity spirits that you've been wanting to try. I had a lot of fun in the celebrity spirits section because there's really cool wines out there and stuff I didn't know about. 
perfect gifts. No one does Spirits Gift Giving better than Reserve Bar. You can have a bottle custom engraved with a name, a date, or a logo to create the perfect gift. And as we head into gift giving season, go, go, go to ReserveBar.com for the special people in your life or even people that aren't that special. Sometimes you just need a really fantastic gift for someone you need to impress. And trust me, a personalized bottle or some really swanky barware will do the trick. I loved perusing the gift portion of the site and was able to come up with some surefire winner gifts for some of the more, let's say, difficult to shop for people on my list. It's been a process. I'm really glad ReserveBar.com is here. You can also build your dream home bar at Reserve Bar. It has select spirits, wine, and bubbly that you love. And then also check out the glassware and mixing tools. They've got everything that you need for a really classy home bar set. Reserve Bar offers the Cocktail Lounge, your online source for inspiring new cocktail recipes, and the stories behind some of your favorite brands. They also have those ready-to-drink cocktail mixes, which are amazing because they're ready to drink in a can or in a bottle. It's awesome. So it's a cocktail done in one, no mixing or making a mess. It's one and done. The pre-mixed drinks are great to have on hand for parties, outdoor events. They're fantastic. And I've been loving them more and more. So just visit reservebar.com today and use promo code date dateline to save $10 off your purchase of $75 or more on spirits, wine, or those awesome pre-made cocktails but only when you use our special offer at reservebar.com with code date dateline will you get that $10 off your purchase of $75 or more that's reservebar.com code date dateline this offer expires December 31st 2021 so be sure to get on it for the holiday season thank you reserve bar thank you reserve bar i am reserving my spot at the bar <laughs> Hopefully you'll sit next to Andrea. Hope she doesn't mind that we keep making all these jokes about her wanting to drink. I don't even know if she drinks. No, it was just fun to see her having a good time. I mean, we there's a lot of serious content and she seemed to be really enjoying her time there and I hope she had a good time. Some people who aren't having such a great time is the family and they're completely divided right now. And I feel like they might get some help from counseling with better help. Yes. Better help can help you no matter what your situation with if you're dating a guy named Mr. Peace, but it's all Mr. War with him. I don't have any better jokes for that. And Katie's are, you host a podcast and your co-host finds none of your jokes funny today like she normally does. I'm and laughing. you start to feel I like- I think it's funny. Hmm. I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might need better help to deal with the low self-esteem that is my mental state right now. BetterHelp can provide you with a licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home. Wherever you go, take BetterHelp with you. You can communicate with the therapist in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time like, hi, I'm feeling pretty low right now. They can just tell you, keep your head up. Keep your head up. Without having to look down, without a t-shirt, You don't need a t-shirt. You just need a BetterHelp counselor on your speed dial. You are your own t-shirt. Yes. Your BetterHelp speed dial is your t-shirt with words on it. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. States like Michigan, where they have amazing strawberry festival that I will be traveling just to try things at because it sounds really delicious. BetterHelp has counselors specializing in all kinds of issues like anxiety, depression, sleeping problems, LGBTQ plus 
issues, marriage problems, and the intense family situations being seen on Dateline every week. BetterHelp is easy. It's completely confidential. It's affordable. Contact them to start living a happier life. As a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com Dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Dateline. Because we can all use a little better help and strawberry funnel cake. For sure. Thank you, better help. Thank you, better help. Your joke is funny. You just keep pausing before you're delivering the punchline. So I'm not expecting it. That is confusing me. You know why? That one was done off the cuff. And look how funny it was. <laughs> That's great. You should be proud of yourself. Lindsay wants the Michigan State Police involved and she is not going to stop until she gets there. So she's CCing them on emails to the local police, which is, she knows how to do one thing in her life. It's how to bother the Van Buren Police Department. They hate her. And she wanted to be this annoying fly in their face so that they would just transfer the case to the State Department just to get rid of her, basically which is actually a smart move, I think. Once it went that way, yeah, this is the right move. Absolutely. They weren't going to help you after that talk. So it's like, okay, well, then this is, it's the right move. And they think it's Kenny and she doesn't think it's Kenny. So whatever they do, it's not going to be what she thinks should be done. She starts an online petition that gets 14,000 signatures to get the case moved to the state police department. But Egypt's dad and stepmom are furious because they think the local police are doing a good job. Okay, so they're commenting on the petition. Don't sign this petition. This family war just could not get any more divided at this point. It's now gone to the online petition community. It's bad. Poor Dwayne, who is not a confrontational person and is kind of just going along for the ride, because Lindsay is so full force, he is scared that they're going too far. Like it's going to be irreversible damage. Lindsay says to Andrea, I am gutsy, but I'm also, and Andrea's like nosy. She's like, yeah, absolutely. Andrea says, I bet you've been called everything at this point. And she says, yeah, absolutely. People around town, they think I'm doing this for attention. I'm doing it for myself. She says, I am absolutely not. I am doing it for Dwayne and his family so they can have answers for Egypt. She would show up at town council Zoom meetings and she would say, yeah, I have a question. Number one, how dare you? Number two, what are you doing with Egypt's case? I went to a town council meeting once. I thought it was going to be like Parks and Rec. It was the most boring night of my entire life. It's a lot of people arguing about stop signs. So I would love to have a Lindsay there shaking things up. I would be like, just do it. Stir the SH up right now, Lindsay, please, God. Because they're talking about repaving the sidewalks again. And I can't take it. That's correct. That's what happens at those. Yeah. Another year passes. Lindsay and Dwayne write emails criticizing the local police. And one day they actually get a response from the township clerk. And it's an email reply that they get by mistake. Lindsay was supposed to be taken off because the clerk is replying to everyone in the department saying, is there any way to block these emails? I'm personally not interested in the stupidness. First of all, don't use the word stupidness. Also, you're talking about a woman that was murdered. That's the stupidness that you're talking about. 
that is bothering you and clogging up your emails. The problem is that clerk is very clearly not talking about Egypt, but it sure does sound like you are. So you really messed up. Yep. So Lindsay takes a screen grab of the email saying, I'm not interested in this stupidness and posts it everywhere. Posts it on the Facebook page for Egypt's case. Posts it on the town Facebook page. And Andrea is delighted because she loves renegade justice. Andrea, I did not know was such a troublemaker. She loved when she hears that she posted it on their Facebook page. She's just like, she's like, oh my gosh, she cannot believe that Lindsay did that. Eventually, the clerk apologizes, saying he meant no disrespect. He just wanted off the email chain. And we've all been there. My cousin's Jewish jokes of the week emails I could do without. Lindsay and Dwayne hold a big march chanting, let the state in, let the state in, meaning let the State Department take over. And the next day, the state takes over the case. Unreal. The squeaky wheel got all the oil this time. She did it. She made it happen. It's unbelievable. It's been three years since Egypt's murder, but just three months after the state takes over the case, they make an arrest. They call Egypt's mom and they make an arrest. It only took them three months. That's incredible that it had been three years and it only took them three months. Now, they actually arrest three people Three men, Shane Evans, Timothy Moore, Shandon Groom, two of whom have super classy face tattoos. Two of them are brothers. One of them is a cousin, so they're all related. Egypt knew one of them, Shane, kind of. They went to high school together, and she would sometimes see him because he mowed her neighbors in the duplex's lawn. Also, sorry, why does the neighbor have a lawn that's not your lawn if you live in the same house? I did find that a little strange that or just that it wouldn't be the same gardener that would do the whole front lawn. Can it just be mowed the lawn? Maybe there's a a line divide somehow, like a, a step, a walkway or something. And they hired Shane and she maybe hired someone else. Does she own the duplex or does she rent the duplex? I think she rents. Usually the landlord would take care of that. The property management would pay for the maintenance of the. So maybe she did own it. Whatever. I don't know how things work in semantics. It doesn't matter. I was just I caught that and was I had the same question. I was going to try to blow past it. So the state found these three guys because their truck is on surveillance at a gas station near Egypt's apartment the night of the murder because they were looking at those security footage and were not sure if the local police were. They interview Shane and he tells them everything. He says that the night of the murder, his brother and his cousin were in town and wanted weed. And Shane said, I know a guy who sells it because I cut his lawn, but he's out of town right now at a music festival. So just you can go and just get the marijuana. So I think they mean steal. Pretty sure they were just going to break in and take it. Right. It's not like they had a key. Because it's not just that he's selling it. He grows it. So he has large quantities of it. So if they're looking to steal, you want to steal from a grow house. So they drive up to the duplex and he tells his brother and his cousin, that's the place. And he points to the right side of the duplex. In the front of the 
complex, there's a door. And when you go in that door, you have two more doors, one on the right that goes to the right apartment and the left that goes to the left apartment. And he points to the right side of the place. They And then he drives away. The two other dudes go into the unit on the left where Egypt lives. Total mistaken identity. Why the episode is called The Wrong Door, which most of you probably figured out from the very beginning when we said that it was a duplex that she lived in. It's very upsetting. Actually, so Oliver was upset because he felt like the title gave it away because he doesn't watch Dateline all the time. I know, shock, horror. I was very upset. I felt like it gave the title, the episode away. But also I did tell him that we probably would have figured it out the minute they said duplex in the apartment. When they started talking about the neighbors at the beginning, it's sort of clear that that's going to have some involvement because otherwise they wouldn't really bring it up as much as they do. They bring it up just a little too much for it. If you're a Dateline watcher, you know that that's going to play a part somehow. But the wrong door just sealed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was it. So they go into where Egypt lives. They end up killing her and no one really knows why. Shane tells the police that after he got a text from his brother saying, whoops, wrong door. It's also whoops. Don't say whoops. And you just murdered someone. That's sickening. Was her apartment tossed? Do we get any information about that? No, I don't recall if they said it. They killed her maybe because they were looking for the weed and she was telling them, I don't know what you're talking about. And they didn't believe her. Because they were, they thought they were in the right place. I'm assuming they killed her because she saw their faces, right? I guess. She was a witness? I guess. But they were from out of town and she doesn't know them. So she's never met them. She'd only met Shane. So they were from in from out of town. No, they didn't have to. But if you're paranoid or on drugs or yeah. et cetera... Who knows what was going through their mind? But it's like they tied her up first, like they were trying to like look for the weed or something or just maybe they were going to just leave her. But then something happened and they decided to shoot her because she saw their faces. OK, that's what Kate. It's my only that's my only thought. Do you have another reason why they would have done it? I don't. I don't know. That was the only thing I could think. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. Why else would they do it? I don't know. We've seen some murders on Dateline. They're just so pointless. This is definitely pointless. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to give it some sort of reason, but it could also just be completely pointless. I think it's hard because it's such a random, did not have to happen, total mistaken identity. She was in the wrong place at the wrong time through no fault of her own. So that's frustrating already. And then you don't even have an answer as to why they killed her. It's the only, that's why I'm trying to put an answer to it because otherwise, what is life? What is this? It's hard to- Yeah, huh? make sense of things because there is, it's this randomness of Mm -hmm. awful. What's also heartbreaking, which I left it at the beginning, is the mom, when she was getting nervous about what was going on next door, the mom said, come and stay with me for a while. And she said, no, no way. (sighs) Because she didn't want to go stay with her mom, even though she was uncomfortable at her apartment. Yeah, who would? It's just, uh, that stinks. It's it's just, it's just horrible. No, but now the mom's upset because she's like, I should have insisted. Right, exactly. And, yeah. So the Michigan State Department says that the local police didn't have the resources to analyze the evidence they gathered, which is a very nice thing to say. They are not saying that they messed up. They're saying they just 
didn't have the resources. They got tunnel focused on one person. Exactly. The Van Burens do not speak to Dateline. I feel like they know that they are not going to look the best. There's going to be a trial next year. Usually Dateline waits until after the trial. So that's very interesting. That almost never happens. Egypt's dad cannot believe that Egypt was killed for a bag of weed that you can freaking get anywhere in Michigan. And I totally get his frustration. It's so pointless, but I do really enjoy the way he projects to the back of the room. I will not forget him. He certainly does. I hope that they're explaining to him that they weren't just, they were looking to steal large quantities of weed, dad. It's because that they were a grow house, that the guys were like, oh, score, because we can get some for ourselves and sell all the rest of the, do you know what I'm saying? It's not. Yeah, absolutely. It was very purposeful that they picked that house. It wasn't just that they were looking to go there and buy some. They were, this was a specific mission. I'm sorry, dad. Yeah, it's horrible. The state police say, despite what the local police thought, Kenny wasn't involved at all, but he still lives in that town. And a lot of people I still think probably are suspicious of him. And one friend says that everyone in the town owes him and his family an apology. He might just want to move. It's what I asked Oliver. I said, why is he still there? Why didn't he move? And Ollie said, well, they said that the family is all, he has a big family there, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and he shouldn't have to leave. He just- might want to. Oh, come on. Wouldn't you? I would not. I would be uncomfortable. It would make it's you're a murder suspect. I know. But at the same time, if you're a stubborn person and your family lives there, you go, screw them. I'm not giving them the power to run me out of town. I know I didn't do this. And it was proven that I didn't do this. So everyone could just get over it whispering about me at Home Depot. Yes. And this is my hometown. Like this is where I was born and raised. So I'm saying he shouldn't have to move, although it might be more comfortable to move. I would think more like fresh start type thing. Yeah, fresh start. Fresh start just because also the memories, you did care about this person who was also killed and then you were accused of killing this person you cared about. That might be enough without the suspicions. That just might be enough for me. But if you move, then you lose your family too. Like you lose being super close with your family. So that kind of sucks. Well, I got nothing then. State police, yeah, so they clear him, but he's, like, cleared officially. So maybe people in the town are trying to be nicer to him. Like, maybe the people at the Home Depot are kind of kissing up to him because they feel badly. People really don't like to be wrong. That's a great point, actually. Really don't. And we'll go to incredible lengths, as we've seen over and over, to make sure that they don't look foolish or like they were wrong. It's cognitive dissidence. Absolutely. Lindsay has created a true crime podcast. It's called Can't Stop, Won't Stop, which is also my favorite Miley Cyrus song. She's helping other families. She and Dwayne are getting married next year, but the family is still divided, which is just so sad. Mm. Yeah, I just feel like that's not right. And the brother says Egypt would want them to reconcile. The dad sets up a fund in her name and there's a monument in the park with an inscription from her journal which is very sweet. And that is this episode. No, I was just going to say it's very sad. It's very, yes. very sad. I wish this family will get back together. Maybe after the Dateline airs, they'll like maybe see the other side, see the perspective of the people on the other side. They all want the best. They're, all they all wanted was the same thing, justice for Egypt. So 
it just really stinks that they're separated now. Anyways, on a happier note, this episode is dedicated to our lovely, lovely Patreons, Danielle C. and Kate L. Ladies, let's get some advice going from this episode. If you're going to get into a fight, do it at a strawberry festival. I don't know why, but I just feel like it would be funny. I think it's a pretty happy place. I feel like a strawberry festival as opposed to a spinach festival is... Better vibes. More sugar involved with strawberries. A lot of whipped cream that you can fling around if you're in a fight. A fun fight. A fight that could turn fun. Yeah, you might just start laughing and then you're not really mad at each other anymore. If you haven't, go watch the closing scene to the end of Bugsy Malone and you'll know how fun a whipped cream fight can be. And what happens is you all put your arms around together at the end and sing a song. You bring up Bugsy Malone the same amount that I bring up Below Deck, I think. Yeah, maybe. What else do we have for Danielle and Kate? We have Don't Date DJ Freeze, but can they date a Mr. Peace? Yeah, and don't be afraid of a bold t-shirt choice if it's an uplifting message. Mm -hmm. Head-lifting message. So that's our main That's our main advice for you, ladies, is keep your head up. Lift it up, ladies. We love you. Thank you for being Patreon. Thank of the you show so much. Your support. Be your own. Be your own B-roll bonanza. Oh, transition. That's a great segue to B-roll bonanza. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Danielle and Kate. So much B-roll. Lots of B-roll. Lots of porch sitting. Yes. Let me just start it off with Dad Chuck with... Chris, the stepmom. And Chuck's got his shoes off, bare feet. I don't know if I've seen bare feet before, not on a beach in Dateline. I would totally be barefoot. I want to be comfortable if I'm going to be on Dateline. I would be in Bombas, but I do appreciate that he was comfortable enough to be in bare feet. It's his porch. Yeah. Bare feet. Do what you want, Chuck. Chuck does what he wants. Sorry. Chuck does exactly what he wants. Let's be clear. Absolutely. In the same... He might be as stubborn as Lindsay is. They just are on the wrong side, the different side. That might be why they never got along. 100% why I was sweating so much because like it's hard to compromise. So I'm naturally a personality type that wants to compromise or find like, you know what I'm saying? And so I was like, ah, I can't fix it. No, no fixing. No, but we hope it will eventually. We see a lot of footage of the duplex and it has Halloween decorations up because they have recently shot this B-roll. There's also a don't tread on me flag outside, which I didn't love. Does that mean something? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't mean. It's mostly used nowadays by people we would not want to hang out with. Let's just say that. It's traditionally meant a lot of things over the years. I could see some ne'er-do-wells getting a hold of that slogan and making it unpleasant. We do see her in the competition, this singing competition that she won, but we don't get any footage from The Voice. Where's The Voice? I don't think she was on The Voice. She auditioned, though. It That's an NBC show. Right, but I think that they don't air all of the auditions. No, but they film them. They definitely film all the auditions. Maybe she was at the pre. Remember, there's like five levels of auditions at these things. So these people that are actually on camera have gotten through all these different layers or are being contacted by a casting director. Hey, I'm blowing it way out of the water right now. I'm sorry for everyone who thinks that they're just walking in the door and going to audition. They're not. Maybe she had to meet with the casting director there and so auditioned before the the taped audition. I just feel like... Even the casting directors, they film. Like, they film auditions for sh- anything. Casting directors film. 
Oh, so yeah, maybe we didn't get to see the room audition. Maybe she never made it. Maybe he was being a turkey. Yeah, it was a little, but Lester at the beginning said she was, she auditioned for the voice, but now her voice was silenced. So maybe Lester was just doing it for the dialogue and she maybe didn't actually get to audition. She was in the process of doing the voice auditions. Yeah, I don't know. We see her friend Brooke sitting on a bench. We see the mom, Tina, painting outside. I don't know if I've seen painting B-roll like that. What was she doing? Sorry. Was she doing drip painting? It was very messy with her hands. So yeah, it looked like... The pouring paintings. Have you seen those? I feel like... Do you like doing stuff like that? No, I don't like my hands being dirty. Oh, okay. Yeah. It seems very calming. Like, you know how people color in a coloring book? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or some people paint shoes. It seemed just right. I don't know. It's lovely. It made me really want a yard. Well, okay. That you could sit out and do messy paintings in. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. You got to have space for that or like an art studio. You can't just be doing that in the dining room. That's a mess. We see Lindsay and Dwayne sitting side by side on matching laptops with a pug in his hand. And I think that that was Egypt's dog because there's a photo of her that they show with the similar looking dog. I think you're right, because Lindsay is later walking a large black dog that looks like maybe it might be a black lab. And so I'm wondering if they have a couple of dogs, but one of them is. One of them, I think, might be hers. I might. I'm not sure, but I think maybe. And we see Lindsay recording the podcast. I do think podcaster is on our extreme bingo cards when we see a podcaster on Dateline, but it always comes with regret because it's never us. It's always other (laughs) podcasters. But I did feel like her setup was going to be very echoey because it, she records on wooden floors and it, her computer's sitting on a wooden table and her walls are fairly bare. And that was the first thing I thought would be like, Katie would hate me if I recorded in this room because it would be so echoey and Katie hates that. I love you so much for saying it so I didn't have to. Seriously, I wasn't going to say it. I was going to tell you after, but when I saw it, I said out loud, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) The whole thing, I was sweaty. I feel like I should write her and be like, hey, you need to put up some stuff around you to absorb the sound. Yeah, maybe we should. Uh, Some pros for Lindsay. I did like that she has a sticker for her podcast and a sticker mule sticker and a best friends animal society sticker on her computer. So I did enjoy that. However, she has those odd wicker decorative balls that are not my favorite. Sure does. But other than that, I loved Lindsay's whole vibe. Oh, did you? So you're okay then. So face tattoo, absolutely not. But you're definitely cool with her knuckle tattoos. Yeah. On both hands. 100%. I have no problem with hand tattoos. No problem with arm tattoos. I don't like the neck or the face. Also, Brother Dwayne behind the bar. They show him at the very beginning. He seemed right at home. I bet he and his sister had so much. I can see why Andrea got excited because I'm like, oh, that seems like a ton of fun. Yeah, a brother who wouldn't want to go to a local bar and the brother and sister are bartending and get and, you know, joking around with like, that's fun. It's so fun. And like razzing each other, you know. So let's do fashion police. Wait, I did have one more. Sorry, you got them driving together, right? We see Lindsay and Dwayne driving together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A double drive, a double drive. They do driving together. They do laptop work together. They're in the early stages of a relationship where you like to be together a lot, I think. 
and I'm happy for them. So <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to fade. I think they are truly made for each other, but I just, you don't see people that have been together a long time do their laptop work right next to each other at their house. So usually they're like, I'm going to my room. Call me when dinner's yeah, ready. I, so yeah. <laughs> uh, fashion police. Lindsay's knuckle tattoos. What do they mean? Uh, they were symbols. They weren't words. I don't know, but she. I feel like she's a very spiritual person. Like we get a shot of her. That was a V-roll where she's sitting outside kind of closing her eyes, almost like she's meditating in the sun. So yes, so she's maybe spiritual, some sort of tattoos. They must mean something important to her. One was a sun and it looked like it was a sun, a moon or something. I couldn't like, they were definitely symbols of something. And I'm also wondering if they were Egyptian symbols for Egypt. Oh, that would be nice. I don't know if that's true, but maybe. That would be really nice. Lindsay is a kindergarten teacher and it shows. She has this, besides the tattoos, she has a lot of like chunky beaded jewelry that maybe she made in a kiln. And she always has her hair in that side ponytail braid thing. She just, she gave off kindergarten teacher vibes to me. That now that you're saying it, absolutely. And Tina gave off artist vibes. Right. But I bet the why I think Tina and Lindsay got along. I think they could do art together. For sure. Tina might come into Lindsay's class and do an art project with the class or something. Bingo. That's exactly what happens. You're right. Hey, I had a really quick point, by the way. I'm sorry. I don't know why I wrote it under fashion police, but I thought of it when you were talking about Kenny looking for something in the car. He was peering into her car in the middle of the night. Yes. Curtis saw him and then brought it up to her. And I think you skipped over this in your recap probably for time. But Curtis brought it up to her the next day and she like played it off like it was no big deal. But he got the feeling like it had happened more than once. I'm wondering also if, remember, her and Kenny had an on-again, off-again, friends with benefits type situation. If her and Curtis had just like kind of got back together when this incident happened with Kenny looking in the car, there is a possibility that there was some overlap between the two of them before her and Curtis had confirmed, which is what kind of happens in relationships sometimes when you're doing a friends with benefits thing. You're not solid with the one person yet. So you're still sort of seeing the other. I'm also wondering if that was a little more innocent than it sounded because it sounded really sinister. But I'm wondering if Kenny was legitimately like looking for something that he left in her car. In the middle of the night? Yeah. Was stopping by because like she had seen him earlier in the day or something like that. Like I, why else would he be peering into her car and not peering into her window? I don't know whose house it was at. Like, was it by her house or was it by Curtis's house? If it was by Curtis's house, Kenny's driving by, coming home from the bar. He sees the car. He's like, oh my God, is she sleeping over with him? Is that her car? If it's at her house, he's going by because he's like, crap, is my phone in there? Is my phone in there? Maybe. I don't know if it was as friends with benefits as you like say, because it was super toxic and fighting and punching walls. And that to me sounds like a toxic relationship. I could be wrong. I don't know. You could be totally right. One person likes the other person more and wants to be more than just friends with benefits. And the other person is not willing to do that. Also, the reason I keep saying that is because Kenny had said that they were sleeping together. So they've been sleeping together for a while off and on, which is a friends with benefits situation. Yeah, that's true. One of the people is lonely, but then yeah. one of the people, Kenny, likes her more. Yeah, maybe. And so she's having to do a mini like kind of breakup with him 
not like can't be friends, but like, no, can't. We can't do this part of the friendship anymore. But also, I feel like because he was, I felt like the showing up at places was made out to be much more sinister than he was just trying to show up to get laid. He's just trying to kind of turn himself into her boyfriend, which is not happening and doesn't happen. I think that can appear a lot more sinister. And it is the kind of behavior that like, if you're doing that, you regret because you're like, I was such an idiot. I made myself look so dumb. Why did I show up at that party? That kind of thing. I don't, but I, he could have been real sinister though. Now that he's not a suspect, I'm trying to see like what else was going on there because he really did seem like a viable suspect for a long time. I can see why the dad is confused. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that obviously this is what happened. They got into a fight five days before. This is actually one of the first zebras and not horses that we've had. There you go. Oh my gosh. This is your zebra. Uh-huh. This is my zebra. This is the onesie. This is my autobiography, the one zebra that I was supposed to write. But Lindsay's going to write it. Oh, you're totally right. Lindsay, don't steal my zebra. No, you can have it. You did all the work. It's fine. You can have it. She might not know what you're talking about. So let's just move on. So maybe <laughs> she won't and it'll be fine. <laughs> Also, new people to the show, apologies, because you also have no idea what we're talking about, but it'll all make sense eventually. We'll tell them your tell them your slogan. It's not my slogan. It's a very common saying that is when you hear hoofbeats think horses, not zebras. So it's called Occam's razor. It's like the most common, the most obvious, clear solution is usually the right one. And I think it makes Kimberly sound very smart. Thank you. And unfortunately, it makes me look really dumb because I never remember that she said it. So that's what we've got. Anyways, also Fashion Police, Andrea has a blue checkered top with ruffles all over it. Gingham. Gingham. Thank you. That was the word I could not think of. Thank you. I got you. Could I kept thinking, that's is it plaid? I don't know what it was called. It's gingham. She's adorable. Do, do you have titles? Mine are not very good. She just made like the most pained expression I've ever seen on her face. Because I took some time and I really tried to think and I even asked Oliver and I, I didn't do a very good job. So I'm looking at them and I'm a little sad. Oh, mine are never good. So it's fine. Okay. All right. I'll go mine first. Wrong door, right suspect. Okay. It's not good. And then I only had, I had a bunch of notes here, but nothing ever panned out. Don't get mad at me, everyone. And then the other one was stupidness gets the grease. So instead of squeaky wheel. Okay. Because it won. Because they said it was stupidness, but you know what? It did the trick, didn't it? Yes, it did. It worked. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, absolutely. So there you go. Stupidness is the new winning. Black. Okay. <laughs> it's the new winning. Yes. Yep. I had a complex duplex case. All right. Okay. I had the tale of the Van Buren boys. <laughs> I don't know why. And then my real one not real. It's still bad. A love pyramid. Because instead of a love triangle, because a pyramid, because your name was Egypt. Oh, there we go. Oh, love pyramid. Thank you. It's none of them are very, usually we have better titles than this, guys. Yeah. Don't judge us by these titles. Once every four episodes, we have really. This was, we were thrown off because the title in this gave the whole thing away. So it was a case of being disgruntled. We still love you, Dateline, so much. And we love you for listening. Thank you so much, everybody. Check out our Instagram and our 
Facebook and our Twitter date dateline and check out our Patreon. We do an extra episode every month and we are talking about 90 Day Fiance. Also, happy Halloween. And our Patreon episode for this month and next month are Investigation Discoveries, The Curse of the Chippendales. And there's lots of bumping and grinding in shiny clothes and Michael Landon hair. So get ready. And also serious crime. Oh, and also crime. Absolutely crime. There's crime as well. And not just in the fashion crime arena. There's Yeah, there's crimes of fashion, but also crimes of passion. Oh, I'm on a roll now. <laughs> Let's leave him wanting more. So thank you, everybody. And keep your head up. <laughs> keep your head up. Be your own Bugatti and stay fresh cheese bags. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. DJ Freeze. Well, Mr. Geese revolves it.